Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Teaching on the whole idea of the, the practices that we've seen visible in Jesus' life. And um, I, I, I have thoroughly been challenged and loved it. I know Dave has as well. And uh, we've tried to keep it really tight as we've preached on it, as we um, around the subjects. And I know we probably based our personalities around them a little bit. But um, as we move into this 5th of January 2020 with a new 2020 vision, as we move into it, um, uh, it's exciting. And we chose these words carefully. We chose these words prayerfully um, as a team of elders and staff and key leaders in church. Um, we sparred over some of them. We had to fight for some of them. Um, uh, not fisticuffs, but we had to fight for some of them. Um, and uh, we felt that these things were the most evident things in Jesus' life. So that's why we felt as disciples then we want to do what Jesus does. We want to live that life, follow Jesus in all of life. And I'm always moved by the ways of Jesus. I love the words of Jesus. I love red letter Bibles, you know. I love that whole idea. Peter Linus and I have this argument sometimes. He says, is all the Bible not the words of Jesus? But um, I know what he means. But I just love um, the red letter Gospels. I love watching and listening and looking how Jesus responded to people, how he responded to need, how he responded to issues. When a woman was caught in adultery, what would he do? How would he handle that? When he went to a funeral, what would he do? How would he handle himself there? When, there was, when they ran out of wine, what would he do in that situation? When they had no food, what would he do? When someone was lonely and broken, would he be moved with compassion? All of those things have always caught me. His mission, he spoke with thought-out precision and clarity. There never was a wrong word. His, his mission was a, a new kingdom that wasn't of this world. His tone was full of redemption. When he spoke, there was redemption in his words. His coming to this world was a planned atmosphere of heaven long before the world even was ever formed. And I love this verse in Ephesians that tells us that that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, as beautiful and as mysterious and as um, daunting as the world is, and if you're like me and like those nature programs, before that was even planned, he chose you. That's the most amazing thing. And, um, and over the last few months, our, our morning series has been in the ways of Jesus and how beautiful it has been to, and challenging, as I say, to, to prep it and to, to talk about it. It's beautiful. And so it's always great to talk about Jesus. Um, Robert Stevenson was um, the, the, the grandfather of Robert Louis Stevenson. And while he didn't invent the steam locomotive, he was very, very strategic in um, coming up with uh, steam train travel back in the 1800s. He actually created this machine here. It was known as Stevenson's Rocket. Um, and um, 
He was, a, as I say, he was the grandfather of the well-known writer Robert Louis Stevenson. And a and hundred years after his birth, um, the, he was from a little place called Newcastle-upon-Tyne. And a um, hundred years after his birth, uh, there was a huge procession of people with banners honoring their distinguished engineer. And uh, in the procession, there was all kinds of uh, people and farmers and all kinds of people. And on their banners, they, they had this here. They, they, this was what was on the banners. He was one of us. Well, that. He was one of us. And, um, and how true it was. He was one of theirs. He was born in their town. He grew up in their town. And, um, and uh, there were citizens of this little tiny village that shared this, this special person. And this is why these six practices became so important to us. They became so important to us because actually Jesus became one of us. He was one of us. We could, we could do that banner today. We could hang that over any of our necks today and say, he was one of us. Although when we say he was one of us, he was actually so much more than one of us. Suppose Jesus had only been human, then how could he have helped us? Because his sympathy would have been no avail. Jesus' sympathy wasn't enough to redeem us. We needed not only human sympathy, we needed divine power. And, and we got both in Christ. And that's what I wanted to talk about just for a short time this morning. And engage your hearts just to, to, to embed these six practices into our hearts and into our disciplines and into our minds. We uh, were assured of his divine power. We know that he's able to save us. We know about his willingness. We know about his ability. And all of these things combined make him our all-sufficient Savior. The two natures of Christ are really, really important because they are eternal and possibly this is the greatest thing that you need to acknowledge, all right? Jesus neither laid aside his deity when they come to earth, nor did he lay aside his humanity when he returned to heaven. He was both God and man. As mysterious as that is, that's the truth. So let me say it again. Let me say this again. He neither laid aside his deity when he came to earth, nor his humanity when he returned to heaven. He remained a man. Did you know that? He remained a man. That's teaching. It's clear teaching of the Scripture that the Son of God assumed forever humanity when he was born of the Virgin in Bethlehem. Forever. Forever. It's forever. Now listen to this. When Jesus ascended to heaven, humanity, humanity attained a throne in heaven forever. There is a man in the glory today. This is the most incredible thing. And so I was thinking about this this week as we have taught the six practices, as we've taught all about these things, about the lifestyle of Jesus. There was something that happened that class, that, that humanity, Jesus' humanity and his godliness and his deity clasped together permanently in an eternal embrace that can never be surrendered. It's the most beautiful thing. 
It's humanity and it's the deity of Jesus Christ. And we could all say hallelujah to that because there is a man in the glory. And one of his great finales when he was going back to heaven, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That's the NLT version. How beautiful is that? And this morning, as we are going to conclude and summarize, I'd love to make, uh, or let you look at some of the, the statements that he made about himself. This is who we get. This is who we get. There is a man in the glory. He is our Savior. He is our friend. He is our Lord. And he made some massive statements about himself. We have the seven I am statements. You've maybe studied them if you're a, a, a studier of the Bible, the seven I am statements of John. Let's take a, a quick look at them really quickly and challenge our hearts about uh, who Jesus really was. The first one, uh, Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. He said, whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And if you're spiritually hungry in here today, as we come to the end of 2019, if you're spiritually hungry, I want you to know that Jesus is the bread of life. He can fill every hunger in you. He can, he can quench every thirst because he is the bread of life. He said this, he said, I am the light of the world. If you're spiritually blind in this room today, if you're groping around in the dark looking for meaning in life and looking for enlightenment, then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. These are pretty bold statements. He said this, he said, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. If you're seeking the door to salvation and to heaven today, Look no further. Jesus is the door. These six practices declare one who made himself visible as the door to eternal life. How good is that? He says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you're wandering about and you're lost, then Jesus is your good shepherd today. It's good, isn't it? Not, not a thief not a harling. He is the good shepherd. Probably one of my favorites is the next one. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is when Jesus arrives in his little favorite place called Bethany and his friend Lazarus has died and the sisters come out and he says to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her the question, do you believe this? I love this. If you're spiritually dead, dying, or fearing death, then Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I use this verse a lot at gravesides. Um, and, and I always think when I, when I read it that there's a message to two people. It says, look, look at what it says. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. It's like a message to the grave. Even people who have died in Christ shall live. And then he says, there's a message to everyone who's standing around the open grave. Whoever lives in me will never die. What a passage of scripture that is. And then he said this, he said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you're wondering what is the way, unsure of the truth, searching for the meaning of life, then you need to know that Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And as we've taught these six practices, we, we, all we're doing is teaching you the ways of Jesus. Why? Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And then the seventh one, again, one of my little favorites as well. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If you're wondering about in life in 2019, has it been a little bit fruitless? Then you need to know that he is the vine. He is the source of life. You notice that I've told you this many, many times. A branch doesn't produce fruit. A branch just bears fruit. The produce comes out from the vine. And the, the fruit on the branch is the outward expression of the inward nature of the tree. So when you see an apple on an apple tree, you see an apple, you know it's an apple tree because the apple is the outward expression. So my, my, my question to you as we close out um, 2019 over the next two weeks, my question is, what, what's the fruit on the branch? What sort of fruit has been on the branch as tonight? 2019 um, uh, ebbs out into eternity forever. The value of the atonement only makes sense. This is the beauty of it. The value of the atonement only makes sense if Christ is both God and man because the atonement must have value for God and it must have value for mankind. And this is why Jesus is so important. Like you, you see this, you see this running right through the scripture. Like he was hungry Jesus said he was hungry, but actually he fed 5,000 men only, not counting women and children, with five loaves and two fish. He was thirsty, but he turned water into wine. He was carried in a ship, fell asleep in a boat, yet he walked in water. He died, yet he raised the dead himself. He was set before Pilate, but now he, he sits with his father on the throne. He's worshipped by angels, shunned by the people. That's incredible. Some of these we can see in his human nature. Some we see as divine nature. And some of these, all, all of these instances display to us that he's both God and man. This is, this is, it's amazing. And so, so I need to say this again, that the two natures of Christ are not only mysterious, but they're necessary. They are so necessary. If he'd been just a man, it would just have been another martyr. Um, if he'd only been divine, then there the, would the, have no connection to humanity and, and, and anything he did would have been devoid of any redeeming quality. But this is the beautiful thing because he not just was one of us, he is one of us. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? He is one of us. There is a, a redemptive quality in all of this. And so when Jesus died, the Bible tells us that the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. The veil in the temple, in, in, in the temple of that day, in the tabernacle, it was 30 foot high. In the temple, it was 60 foot high. 60 foot high by 30 foot wide 
by the width of a man's hand. That all depends. If you have a hand like me, it's right and wide. But um, four to, probably four to five inches wide. And that veil, 60 foot tall, was rent right from the top to the bottom. And what was happening? What was happening? People often say, well, it was allowing men to go into the presence of God. It was more than that. It was allowing God's presence to come out amongst mankind. And so this God of the Old Testament is being revealed through the Christ of the New Testament. And so when Jesus died, um, God came out amongst us. It's, it's staggering. Sometimes I find it hard to put into words. And here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. He, Jesus actually revealed God to us. He said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And so in, in his death, he's revealing God to us. I love um, uh, the story of, of uh, you look through the life of, of Princess Diana or the Princess of Wales, as she was known. Um, she died on the 31st of August, um, 1997, was one of those things that was one of those instances in your life if you were alive at the time that you remember exactly where you were when you heard the news. Um, and uh, she was only 38 years of age, yet she was probably amongst the most royal of all the figures. She was probably um, uh, one of the most important royals that the world had ever witnessed, called once the royal amongst royals. And she captured the world not just by her beauty, but by her heart. She was an incredible lady. Consider the numbers. I, I googled some of these. Her wedding on the 29th of July, 91, was watched by over 750 million people over the world. Um, magazines across the globe wrote about her. When she died on the day of her funeral, did you hear this? Two billion people stopped. Two billion People stopped to watch her funeral service. She was indeed a royal amongst royals. And what set her apart was um, from her royalty was, and was how she did royalty. It was how she used it. It was how she became, somebody said she humanized royalty. I love that little line. She humanized it. Um, around 91, when AIDS was at its highest and probably one of the most misunderstood diseases of its time, um, fear and anxiety were soaring around the world. Um, well, people took a gasp when Lady Diana, Princess Di, as we knew her, grasped the hand of an AIDS victim without a glove on. Um, she was one of the first at that time who humanized the people, let, let us see the people behind the disease. She would often be seen, they tell us, in disabled units where she would work with the most disfigured and disabled. And doctors would say that she would sit by their bedside, holding their hand, kissing them often on the forehead. And probably one of her most significant achievements was just a short time before her death when she um, uh, led the landmine crusade. Um, ridding sort of those war-torn places of old landmines that thousands of people were being maimed and kids were being killed. And, and while, the, while, while the, the dignitaries sat around arguing what they were going to do, a video was released of, of Princess Diana walking through a minefield, a live minefield, which led to the mine treaty, ridding all of these places of the danger. But to sum her up, to sum her up, one um, one writer said this, said that um, 
whenever she came on board, majesty stooped. I love that. Majesty stooped. Wasn't the first time majesty stooped. It wasn't the first time that majesty stepped off a throne and humanized it. 2,000 years ago, that's exactly what Jesus done. Majesty stooped. I'm going to take up this theme tonight. I feel God has given me a word for the carol service in the little epilogue tonight. I'm going to take this up because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love this. He became one of us. He became flesh. He became human, made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. As we've taught these six practices, we've taught them as best we knew how, and we've taught them as what we've seen um, radiating out of the life of Jesus. We've taught them as something that we, we see so powerfully displayed. And as we roll into the 5th of January, as we roll into the next decade together, that's why we want to pray a prayer together, deepening our commitment of faith together to say we're going to covenant together, we're going to covenant together, deepening our faith to, 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 to serve God and to follow these um, disciplines in our life. That's, that's it. And when we do that, we, we not just get the ways of Jesus, we get the very words of Jesus. Now, the guys are going to come. We're going to worship together. And I'd love, us to, I'd love us to remember the Lord together. I wanted to keep it to the end this morning because as we've summarized our six practices, as we've summarized the, the idea of prayer and worship, of creativity, of generosity and hospitality, of compassion and justice, of mission and of discipleship, these are the things that this, this, this God incarnate, this God-man, fully, totally God, fully, totally man. Hard to wrap our heads around that, but it's, it, it's what makes it work because it connects. It connects heaven to earth. Here he stands. The Bible calls him our mediator. Oh, don't ever underestimate what that little term means. We have a, a, a mediator who stands between heaven and earth. He's the man, Christ Jesus. What does it mean, he's the mediator? Well, in God, he touches heaven. In humanity, he touches earth. And he stands astride the two. And he's our connector. He's our connection. He is one of us. There is a man in the glory. Now, if that doesn't excite you, you're all looking a bit deadpan. But if that doesn't excite you, and, if, and if, you, if, if your turkey excites you more than that, you've got a problem, all right? Because we've got a mediator, the man Christ Jesus, standing there right now in glory, pleading our cause. That's what the Bible tells us. And I tell you, if ever I needed somebody to plead my cause, now's the time. Now's the time. So let me pray. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today, if you've maybe been invited by a friend or a family, you've got a mediator in Christ Jesus. Maybe you've never taken communion 
as a believer. Maybe you've taken it and, and you, you maybe shouldn't have been taken it because you've never known Jesus because it's a communion of believers. It's a communion of believers. And the Bible says, let us examine ourselves and then come and eat of this table and drink of this cup. And so if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this could be your moment right now on this 22nd of December as Christmas closes in just to say, wow, I'm a mediator. The man, Christ Jesus, standing between heaven and earth, the one who finished the work, the one who paid the price forever. And as we take this little piece of bread, we're reminding ourselves of the body that was bruised and broken. As we take the little cup, we're reminding ourselves of the blood that was spilt. And could we do it reverently? Could we do it tenderly? Could we do it lovingly today? Not, not just out of duty, or, but just to recognize that we've got a man in the glory today. So Lord, I pray that you'd bless um, this communion time. Bless as we come around the table together, as we come with friends and family, as we come at this time of the year, as we recognize all that you've done, as we challenge our hearts with these practices, as we look forward even to communing together on the 5th of January, praying a fresh prayer of dedication to say, we want to go deeper, God. We want to go deeper. We want to go into a deeper commitment in our lives with you and together as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Two tables at the back. Two tables at the front. Let's do this as we... We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.